Welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic Podcast Network. From your experience in the league, when is it about time that the team knows who they are? Is that after All-Star break? Is that March? When do you kind of know who you are and what you guys can fully become? I think we wake up every day knowing exactly who the we are every night. First flush and ain't that a smooth one. This is how it goes, and I hope I have no friends. And his response was, I'm sorry, I just wanted a frosty. I want Tyler to know his ass should have got thrown out. If I was a ref, I would have tossed his ass. How dare you? Hello and happy Monday morning. Welcome to the Daily Ding. I am Jared Weiss. I'm joined by the biggest flaws you ever seen with Rob Lopez, who already wants out of Cleveland. Coming up on today's show, Paul George does his best Larry Bird impression. Kevin Love does his best Anthony Davis impression. And Gorgie Jang does his best Carl Anthony Towns impression. But first, we have the highly anticipated, the earth-shattering return of the animal himself, Hassan Whiteside, back to South Beach. But the Heat won anyway, 122 to 111 over the Blazers in Miami. Hassan Whiteside came back to a shower of boos. They they booed him relentlessly, which is funny because was I feel like nobody reinvested in the community more than Hassan Whiteside pouring Ace of Spades at live every single night. Also, just the residual happiness that is left by him just being gone. Like, the, the it never has addition by subtraction been more stark than Hassan Whiteside leaving Miami. Like, they, they've they unlocked Bam Adebayo. Uh, everybody's just happy that he's gone and just was sick of being a, a teammate of his. So, you know, they should be clapping for him and just be happy that he's gone um, now that he plays for the Blazers. Well, he had 21 points and 18 rebounds for the Blazers, and he was just coming off of the 2020 game when we were doing the show the other night. You know, Whiteside, for all the criticisms that you could put of him, I think uh, our friend Nitz called him tall for no reason, which is still the funniest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, But, like, he's getting it done. And, I mean, they're not winning, which, you know, is not going to happen when C.J. McCollum is out with an upper respiratory infection, not a lower respiratory infection. But also the Heat, they didn't have Jimmy Butler with a back injury. They didn't have Justice Winslow with also a back injury, uh, who has been out for 15 games, I believe, but is probably going to be coming back soon. But it doesn't matter because they have Goran Dragic, who they tried to get rid of desperately during the offseason, couldn't get rid of him. Now he's scoring 29 points and 13 assists coming off of the bench was. Hassan Whiteside is the king of empty stats. Um, I used to hate that that term or that phrase when people would be like, oh, he's a stat batter, he's an empty statter. Uh, Hassan Whiteside may be a believer in that stat, and I don't want to make this, you know, this segment about them because the Heat uh, were extremely impressive. You mentioned Goran Dragic. He was incredible, launching, um, knocking down seven threes, uh, played an incredible floor game. Uh, not, not just him, Bam, of course, on both ends of the floor, as he does every night. Just incredible. I thought Derrick Jones was pretty impressive, and I like For that real. Spo would just put him on anybody, right? He'll put him on Dame. He'll put him on. He'll put him on Whiteside. He'll he'll put that guy on anybody on the floor, and his activity is just incredible. And of course, you know the earth shattering dunks, um, you know, are always a sight to behold. So it's like. I'm really impressed by this Heat win. We know Jimmy's the best player on the team, sort of the focal point of everything that they do. But for them to come out and just dominate from wire to wire, sure. 
Portland got it close at times, and Dame played incredibly. You know, he's been playing at an all-star level all season, you know, although it hasn't mattered for his team for the most part. Uh, They cut it down to, like, about eight or nine a couple of times, but Miami basically dominated them, put the foot on the throat from wire to wire, and it was pretty impressive, man. Yeah, you know, just going back to Derek Jones, he had 19 points and six rebounds in this game. You combine that with Bam, who had 20 points, eight rebounds, six assists on nine for 10 shooting from the field. And almost all those shots were at the rim and then a couple like in the deeper paint. But I really like that front court as is because Jones is really good at spacing out to the corner, but then flying in when the play isn't coming his way to work the baseline. It'd be that secondary, you know, whether it's a big to big passing in the post or just offensive rebounding um, or just trying to reset the play and him working out of the, the dunker spot. He's really versatile for them, and he seems like he's starting to come into his own with the way that he can finish, and his defensive acuity is getting a lot better. So it'll be really interesting to see if they get fully healthy with Justice Winslow getting back soon, and then, of course, Jimmy being healthy. You know, What does their rotation look like? Because I feel like Jones is playing his way in, and it allows them to put the ball in Bam's hands even more when you have another effective guy on the glass and working the baseline to supplant him. And I'm not going to lie, the, uh, you know, he coached culture can sometimes kind of come off as hashtag heat culture, a cliche, fanboy type of thing. But Derrick Jones, I think, epitomizes what that means, right? Like, this is a guy that they basically got off the scrap heap, and they've developed this dude. Like, the player development part is real here. Like, this guy was nothing like this when he first came in there. And they've, you know, you see the stuff with James Jones not, not getting any tick all season because he hasn't met the, you know, the fitness requirement, and now he's getting tick and he's contributing uh i just think it's phenomenal what they're doing man uh 20 what are they 27 or 26 and 10 now 17 and one at home uh with a bunch of look a bunch of guys that nobody would if you look at their names individually guys like jones aforementioned and and none or even a rookie like tyler hero bam out of bio and be like man these are stars these are this these are that these guys play their assignment hard every single night um they play for one another and it's just incredible to watch man shouts to to spo to riley to um ellsberg it's it's incredible to watch I'll just quickly say, just on Jones, I remember on the first night of free agency, Tim Cato, the athletic and I, we were co-reporting on the Jimmy Butler deal falling apart. And I w- we were hearing that the deal was falling apart because Miami didn't want to give up Derek Jones and they wanted to give up Goran Dragic instead. And we were like so bewildered by that. We're mm. like, our reporting must be wrong. They can't be right. And then we ended up confirming <laughs> it. And you can see why now. I mean, obviously, Dragic is yeah. you know, playing well, but like Jones is really coming into his own now. Let's head out to Los Angeles where the Lakers outlasted the Pistons 106 to 99. Still no Blake Griffin or Mark Heath Morris for the Pistons in this one. Uh, we had Avery Bradley leaving the game in the first half with an ankle injury. Did not return, but it's fine because you have Alex Caruso and Alex Caruso will do Alex Caruso things. His defense was feisty. He was creating loose balls. He had some big dunks, including one that was smoothly rejected by Andre Drummond at the end of the first half. Uh, but the Lakers had the blocks in this game. They had 20 blocks, which is the most in an NBA game in about 20 years, one short of the franchise record. Of course, we should acknowledge that blocks were not being counted until 1973, which was the year after Wilt retired. So he was probably getting 20 blocks a game just right there, but still pretty unbelievable was. We had AD with eight blocks, JaVale with six blocks, Dwight with five. The Lakers cannot be scored on Waz. 
Yeah, they played to their strengths tonight. You know, they funneled everything to the paint, uh, and they let their bigs, and that's kind of the, been the hallmark of this team all season, right? Uh, the, the Their size has bothered pretty much everybody who aren't the Clippers this entire season. A.D., JaVale, Dwight, they were basically monsters down there, and they, they swallowed everything up. If they weren't hacking people all over the place all night, I think they would have won this one going away, Jared. Yeah, that was the thing. Is like, how did this game stay close? And the reason is Derrick Rose running in circles nonstop in the end of the fourth quarter and somehow scoring every damn time they went down the floor. He had 28 points on eight for 19 coming off of the bench. Uh, you know, Rose, it's it still like takes me a minute to process it every time I see him out there. But he is still getting it done in crunch time. He's a good player. Uh, he's turned himself into a passable mid-range shooter, and when he gets the daylight, he's still pretty good in and around the basket, right? Um, and people even have to respect his three-point shot these days, which we thought maybe last year was a fluke. Not that he's killing people from three this year, but it's respectable enough to where he can get some airspace he, and he can dribble by cats. But again, um, I'm, I'm impressed by the defense. The defense came alive finally again tonight. Davis, I thought, was extremely dominant in the paint. Uh, he was, you know, he's continuing his six, um, excuse me, not six man of the year, defensive player of the year campaign. And I thought that was the story of the game. Uh, it just, it, no one on Detroit seemed like they were comfortable going to the rim, particularly Andre Drummond looked like he had no business getting down there. Um, and uh, let's That's just get a white block at the end where oh, yeah. Drummond just, he did a up fake. The white was literally just sat on the shot and he finally tossed up the softest little jump hook floater and Dwight just smashed it. And he did the Bill Russell thing where he tapped it to a teammate and it led to a break. It was incredible. That was the part I really loved is Dwight has been really productive with the shot blocking and shot contesting so far this year where, you know, this he knows, he just feels that energy build up whenever the Lakers guards start running out there. And you can see that he wants to get that rebound down and outlet quickly or get that block shot tipped towards another player so they can get out. And and it's a classic you really have that classic lebron team feel again where every time people start running you just you hear the crowd buzzing you know there's going to be a huge dunk and we saw that at the end there where i think it was caruso had a huge dunk and like three guys like flew past him in the air it was like watching a bunch of fighter jets like taking off in an air show it was incredible um but the only thing man uh what what, what are they going to do about this rondo thing uh you, you like you would you would never think that Darren Collison could make or break the championship hopes of any team, like at any point of his career. But Darren Collison would be such an upgrade over Rajon Rondo simply because, again, and we can't stress this this enough. There's only about four guys who can be relied upon to dribble a ball adequately on this team. And Rondo happens to be one of them, except that he happens to really stink. And so, um, <laughs> you know, his minutes just turn into just laugh fest, man. And he's getting solid rotational minutes. I think LeBron, whoever, AD, whoever, um, whatever they got to do, tamper, I don't know, break, uh, circumvent the collective bargaining. They got to get Callison in there, in there and they got to get him fast. I would not be surprised whatsoever. I, I, I would be surprised if he did not sign with them in February. I think it's a no brainer that it's going to happen. 
Let's get to the developments. Over the weekend, the Suns announced that Frank Kaminsky, who is having a bit of a rejuvenation season, is going to be sidelined indefinitely with a right patella stress fracture and that he will be reevaluated in about four weeks. So best luck to him getting back. But according to our very own Sham Sharanya and Joe Varden, at Cavs shoot-around on Saturday, Kevin Love lost his shit. He had an emotional verbal outburst directed towards GM Kobe Altman following shoot-arounds, expressing his displeasure and disgust with the organization, according to Shams and Farden. Love was screaming in front of his teammates and coaches and the front office members that were there saying that there was no feel there. Uh, and Love also seemed to berate Colin Sexton on the floor after Sexton was dribbling the ball near half court. Love started kind of like yelling at him to give him the damn ball, kind of ran out of nowhere, and then just like flung the ball to another guy. He almost threw it out of bounds, actually. So, uh, yeah, Love does not seem very happy, Was. And I tweeted about this over the weekend. I it, Look, I, I actually have no problem with what Kev Love's doing. Um, he's trying to exert his will as a prominent player on the team, as a guy on a big contract. Um, that's the thing, right? When you're some 13th man on the bench, you can make a stink about not liking your situation, but you can't actually do anything. You don't hold any sway, have any power. So when you don't like your situation, there's nothing you can do. Uh, superstars disproportionately can wield a certain amount of power, right? And that's what Love's trying to do to get himself out of town. But what annoys me is, you know, this brings me back to last season around this time of the year when AD and his representation was trying to get himself out of New Orleans for basically the same reason. An inept, um, incompetent, traditionally trash all the years that LeBron wasn't involved there organization, right? And they're trying to force their way out of town. And all I saw in the media was hang-ringing about the devil Rich Paul and how could AD be trying to force his way and this is so unprofessional and blah, blah, blah. I ain't heard a peep from anybody about Kevin Love and I damn sure ain't heard anything about his agent. I, nobody will ever bring up Jeff Swartz's name when Kevin Love is throwing beaming basketballs at his teammates live on television, right? When he's demanding a trade and he's doing this. And by the way, he's overpaid as hell, right? It's not like it's easy to move this guy. It's not like they're going to get a bunch of stuff in return the way AD got his team. You'll never hear people about Jeff Swartz and what him and his client are doing behind the scenes. It just kind of gets on my nerves. And, you know, I can't help but notice what the only difference between a Jeff Swartz or a Jeff Swartz and an Uncle Dennis and a um Rich Paul are, right? It's hard for me to ignore those differences. So that's why I'm annoyed. I don't know what you are talking about right now. Oh, okay, but... thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shouts to Jeff Schwartz though. Yeah, Jeff Schwartz, hell of an agent. I'll give him credit for that. Uh yeah. Uh Gay Love is horribly overpaid and he decided to re-up with a team that he knew was going nowhere, and they are nowhere, and I don't know why he is so mad about it, but he'll be getting traded pretty soon anyway. And and unlike AD, he has like 100 years left on his deal, by the way. Yep. Okay. Like he's breaking a contract that essentially just started. So it's all a mess. It's a joke. Um, Whatever. Kev Love has the right to do whatever the hell he wants to do. I'm just more so annoyed about how this is covered. And it just, you know, I just got to highlight that. I mean, he wants to have his cake and eat it, too. So Kobe clearly is saying, let him eat cake. So let's move on. Also, also, before hold on, before we move on, a lot of people hit me on my Twitter and said, well, at least Kev Love is playing. Excuse me. New Orleans sat AD. 
That was them that wanted him on a minutes restriction that didn't want him playing. He was furious Because they was tanking because they wanted to get Zion Williamson. Get out of my face with that. AD didn't show up to work. AD was perfectly fine with playing out the string. It was New Orleans who was incentivized to not have their best player by far play. So don't talk to me about, oh, AD quit on his team. Get out of here with that. Maybe Cleveland should start taking for Denny Avija or something like that. All right, let's get to the last thing real quick. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, the Washington Wizards guard, was ejected 88 seconds into the Wizards' loss to the Trailblazers on Friday for, it looked like initially accidentally, but then kind of purposefully uh, pushing uh, Marat Kogut, the referee, into the stance. And so... Thomas was getting trapped against the sideline by the Blazers and then kind of like fell into the referee, but then put a hand on him. And it looked like he was at first trying to hold on to him, but then it kind of looked more like he was pissed off and trying to push him. And uh, he got tossed immediately and was fined 25K for making inappropriate contact with a game official. Let's get to the rest of the games from Sunday. The Clippers in Los Angeles beating the Knicks 135 to 132. Kawhi Leonard was out due to knee management. The Clippers are now 5-5 five and five without Kawhi. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. and Alfred Payton were both out for the Knicks. In the Knicks... I, I did not make a mistake off the top there was 135 to 132. You were at this game. I mean, there was tell me what it was like there. The Knicks who got their coach fired three weeks ago, dropped 46 points in the first quarter. Uh, it was it was shocking. The defensive effort just wasn't there from the Clippers from basically the word go. I thought it was interesting in the pregame um, media availability with Doc. Uh, he mentioned that, you know, I don't think we're a great team right now. Uh, and he and he clarified that by saying, I don't think that we suck. I just don't think we're a great team right now. And I think what, if you can read between the lines, Jared, I think what he's trying to say is, I think our guys feel like they're such a good team that they can go through the motions and do whatever they want against a team like the Grizzlies or a team like the Knicks coming in for a matinee game from the East Coast. Um, but they haven't earned anything yet, right? Like, they haven't won anything as a group yet. And I think Doc was just trying to send the message of, you know, keep your eye on the ball. I get that we had a very satisfying win against the Lakers only about, you know, a little more than a week ago. But, you know, it's a long season. It's very easy to lose track of what's important. And I think Doc is trying to, you know, keep his guys, even though it's a veteran group, on task, keeping their eye on the ball. But it feels like they're just like, can we get the playoffs started already? And, you know, I, I love that he's doing that. And I think Trez did that the other night um, where he kind of was subtly calling out the team. And the irony is that I think between Trez, Lou and Paul George, they all had 32 and then Tre- Trez had 34. So they almost combined for 100 points between just the three of them. And they're still I mean, Paul George did have seven turnovers and fouled out in this game. But like they're holding themselves to an incredibly high standard. And that's great. And Doc is smart because Doc has Doc knows what can happen. Doc's been on has coached Celtics and Clippers teams that had the potential to be a champion and fell a little bit short. So I think it's really smart that the way that he's playing it and the way that they're getting their veteran leadership to buy in. And speaking of veteran leadership, 
You got to see the GOAT, Marcus Morris, have 38 points, a career high, 13 for 19 from the field, 6 for 7 from deep, a nice showcase in front of a team that could be interested in trading for him because don't forget, he turned down a deal from them initially against, apparently against Rich Paul's advice uh, during free agency. But Mark Berman, uh, Mark Berman of The Post is reporting that the Clippers and the Sixers may be interested in acquiring Marcus Morris. So uh, Mook in L.A., would that... Would that be the greatest thing we've ever seen? Yeah, and you know, I, not not that I'm confirming Mark Burnham is reporting. I'm sure he's he's plugged in, has got some sources. But from what I'm hearing around the team, they they're trying to add somebody. Um, I heard you could see them getting rid of Harkless and moving on from him, and you know, figuring out a way to get a wing in there. I I you know what I thought was most fun about this game, Jared, is that Jay Crowder came in here. <laughs> yesterday afternoon and had the game of his life basically Bro, holy crap a showcase Celtics game. Race, man. yeah like trade for me please and then marcus morris comes in and as our buddy mo doc hill said he said hold my beer crowder uh i'm gonna go <laughs> ahead and have a career high out here um i think he would be you know it's it, i don't actually like marcus morris's fit here because he's another ball stopper and um Kawhi's kind of a ball stopper and like they don't have a lot of ball movers and I think Crowder would actually be a better fit in that scenario I honestly think I'd rather have Mo Harkless than all three of the people we're talking about right here Agreed. Uh, but I can understand why they want to add somebody who's got a more proven track record even though I wouldn't say that about Crowder when it comes to knocking down threes he's been in big games I understand the veteran presence Um, just a quick I think um cool little aside here, Jared, by all indications of everybody who was when Kawhi finally decided to stroll into um the post-game press conference, he was visibly upset and like really mad about them losing that game. So it's not just like I don't think they're just paying lip service to this. The Kawhi is not clearly not the type of cat to put on airs. Like he did, clearly doesn't care to like fake the funk in any regard for anybody about anything. And he came out and was really upset. But the irony being that <laughs> because of load management, he couldn't even come out and prove it the next day. <laughs> 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 All right, let's get to the rest of these games here. So the Wolves beat the Cavs in Cleveland 118 to 103. Cat misses 10th straight game with a knee issue. Kevin Love was resting in this one, and Tristan Thompson was out with the flu. Uh, and Gorgie Jang came in and had 22 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, four blocks. And I believe with five for five from deep, including a couple threes in crunch time to uh, to win this game. I, I don't know. I thought Gorgie Jing was a race from the face of the earth. And then suddenly, since Carl Towns got hurt, he's dropping numbers like crazy out here. And then we have Shabazz Napier, 21 points and seven assists. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, uh, a flu game for him. He had 15 points and seven boards. And then on the other side, we have the resuscitation of Dante Exum 28 points a career high for that man 11 for 13 from the field he had 24 of those in the second half Colin Sexton outside of the shadow of Kevin Love was able to get 19 points and uh, Kevin uh, Porter Jr. uh, left the game early with a knee injury he was their first round pick last game to get to here the Grizzlies beat the Suns 121 to 114 and what was probably my favorite game of the day Uh, Jonas Valanciunas uh, was 
he was he was so good in this game. He had 30 points and eight rebounds and also four times. And Jaron Jackson had uh, 15 points and they were playing off each other so well at the end of the game. Lots of high low action, just having a great sense of where the other guy was and how to cut off the other guy. And they they I thought the Suns were going to come back and win this one. But the way that they played at the end really saved the day for them. And Devin Booker had 40 points and he had a huge dunk throwing it down. I mean, he did everything out there. Kelly Oubre had 17 points and 10 rebounds and uh, DeAndre Ayton had 14 points, 12 boards plays him. I thought impressive defense in crunch time, a couple of plays where he got called for a foul where I thought that was, it was really good defense. So really exciting to see him and Aaron Baines now starting next to each other. Uh, and they could have it actually a staunch enough defense to make it to the playoffs. If Ayton continues to play this well. So let's get to the line of the night. Let's go through the weekend we had on Saturday. Luca the God, 39 points, 12 boards, and 10 assists in a win over Charlotte. Trey Young against Indiana in the win had 41 points and 8 assists. Then we had Devin Booker, as we just talked about, 40 points and 6 times against Memphis, 38 points and 7 assists against the Knicks on Friday. And then we just have everything that you saw there. So I guess for line of the night was which stat line from the game that you attended would be your line of the weekend uh, for me it, it's got to be Montrez Harrell and I guess I kind of I, I guess I knew obviously all season long that Montrez Harrell was on a you know was was playing for a new contract and but it just dawned on me like I want to I want to say like two weeks ago that like no like Every possession, every single shot, every single game, Montrez Harrell is thinking about his next deal. And um, I was talking to a couple of people at Staples this weekend, and I heard numbers as crazy as $100 million this summer. And so, oh, yeah. you know, 34.6 rebounds against the New York Knicks in a win, and they needed all 34 of those points um today i got to give it to montrez and um man if if rich paul gets that guy 100 million dollars they got they got to name a building or something after that guy man <laughs> montrez Harrell, fifth year in the nba 19 points a game off the bench. This guy's about to get paid and he deserves it because he is an animal. And that's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget about the other basketball shows across the athletic podcast network. We still have your favorite shows like back to back, no dunks, tampering house of Strauss, of course, the daily ding plus over a dozen team specific shows available from some of your favorite athletic beat writers. So don't forget to follow on the app to get notifications for new episodes and if you're not a member of The Athletic, which would just be insane at this point, but you're in luck because you can get all of our podcasts ad-free, plus some fantastic writing across all major sports, whether it's my coverage of the Celtics, whether it's Waz's power rankings of the fashionistas of the NBA. You can get it all for a super low price. It's 40% off your subscription at theathletic.com slash dings. You never know when these promos end, so get to theathletic.com slash dings soon. Thank you for waking up with us as always. Was take me out of here. Ding-a-ling-a-ling, school bell ring, knife on fork and five foot dumpling. <laughs>